Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Are you ready to get into this series? The series has been rich so far. We've only done one, one weekend of it. But last weekend we heard from the Queen. And uh, didn't she do a good job, Pastor Don? Pastor Don did a great job. I call her P. Diddy. She just did a great job. <laughs> I wasn't raised in church. So anyways, you know, <laughs> this series deals with a number of, of issues that are going on in the world right now. And I'm going to be honest, I, and I think we all need to be honest. It is a tough season for Christians who, who really do believe in the core of their being, the Bible at the same time, working with people or being around people who actually hate what the Word of God says. Not hate God, because really I believe everyone has a God, they just don't know who He is. Everyone believes in a God, everyone wants a God, but it's really the values that God presents to us through His Word. And if, if there's ever been a challenging time for us to live and hold up the values and the principles and the Word of God. If there's ever been a challenging time, this is one of them. Now, we're nowhere near what the early church went through because history tells us more than what the Scripture says about Stephen, who was stoned in the book of Acts. But there were those who were thrown into lion's dens and those that were, that were persecuted and killed and imprisoned. We're actually starting to see a little, bit of, a little bit of that imprisonment take place around the nation. Uh, small little pockets, you really don't hear a lot about them, but you heard of what's happening in Canada with the pastor they took into jail and, uh, for, for standing for, for what he believes and so forth. And it, don't think that we're exempt for one purpose. What we can do in this moment, we can take the responsibility and teach our children what's right. And as long as we can teach our children and teach our families and our loved ones what the truth of God's Word says, we bring security to our homes. And it doesn't matter what happens in the world. And it doesn't matter what battles we face. Because at the end of the day, we all make it home to heaven to be with Jesus Christ. And how many of you know that this life is just so short? This life is just, we're just passing through. How many of you know that we have an eternity to gain with Jesus Christ? If you have a hope in the life to come, if you have a hope in Jesus, give him a hand clap and tell him, thank you. Thank you, God, for saving us, helping us. Psalms 102, salvation is just not for us, but for others. And we want to be able to share the core values of what we believe. Right now, we're going to bring some security to the Riverside Believers, Riverside Church. I am preaching and teaching to those who call themselves members of this church. I'm not speaking on a national level to a platform of people to try to speak against things. We actually want to be known by for what we're for, not what we're against. And in this series, Elephant Hunters, we're dealing with the elephants in the room in, in our society and around the job and in the culture we are we are having to deal with this right now and some people don't have an answer hopefully this series will help you not have an answer more than help you take a stand just take a stand sometimes just taking a stand means that you just have to remain confident in what you believe and not have to bow down to the pressure of the culture so we're going to read this and extract god's word out of Psalms 102, 18 through 28. The writer says, let this be recorded for future generations. He's thinking ahead. He's thinking about his children and their children and their children and so that the people not yet born will praise the Lord. Is that your desire for your family, I have to ask you? How many of you want to see the children in your family that aren't even born yet praise the Lord and worship God? Verse 19, so he tells them, 
The Lord looked down from his heavenly sanctuary. He looked down to earth from heaven to hear the groans of the prisoners, to release those condemned to die. And so the Lord's fame will be celebrated in Zion. His praises in Jerusalem. When multitudes gather together and kingdoms come to worship the Lord. He broke my strength in midlife, cutting short my days. Now he's talking about his affliction and his trouble. But I cried to him, Oh my God who lives forever, don't take my life while I am so young. Long ago you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish. But repeat this after me. But you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like garments and discard them. But repeat this after me again. But you, but you are always the same. You will live forever. The children of your people will live in security. Notice the word security. Their children's children will thrive. Someone say thrive with me in your presence there's so much to this scripture and in, in its proper context you know some scholars and commentaries have thought that this was the time in david's life when he faced absalom and he f was in captivity to his peers and went through some troubles others have tried to identify this portion of scripture and thought that Daniel actually made a contribution to the Psalms because it deals with the captivity and that referencing Babylon. But whoever the author is, the one help that he has in writing this scripture is that through all the times that they're going through, the unsettling times and the times that have been changing, the one thing that rests for sure is that God doesn't change. That's where his security lied. The subtitle for today's message is An Unchanging God in Changing Times. An Unchanging God in Changing Times. Will you bless the service right now? Will you ask the Lord just to simply touch the message and, and the messenger and, and the hearer and the recipient? Let's raise our voices and let's just ask the Lord to do so. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for moving today. God, renew us, revive us, waken us. God, awaken us to the awareness, to be aware of your presence and your word and the importance of our time. Let us understand the importance of the times, God, that this is the time, Father, for us not to be pushed back, not to be afraid, not to feel inferior, but to us to be bold and to be loving and passionate about our stance and our belief and who you are and what we live for, and we're going to give you the thanksgiving that you deserve for this. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. Amen. Give him one strong hand clap. Come on. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for being here. Again, thank you for fighting the rain. The elephant in the room concept is according to our really our first week that we started with this series we dealt with um to recap on it the progressive christian belief how many of you remember us talking about that progressive christianity progressive christianity is something that's on the rise and to review that for a moment so we can get back so we can go ahead and continue this it, it is the belief in our, in our world, that this doctrine and this fundamental approach to Christianity is that God grows with the culture, with the universe, stating that God is everything, that God is the tree, God is the culture, the people, God is everything. Therefore, God grows in wisdom with everything. He grows in, in, in culture with everything. As the culture changes, God changes. 
That, that's the perspective that, that they have in this belief. We believe that God is not everything, but God is everywhere. And that God is and was before any of us or any of the world ever existed. But God formed the heavens and the earth with his infinite wisdom. And God created man and wo woman. And then God had a plan for both of them. So we're getting into two things today, two topics we're going to be hitting on. The things that are important to God, I believe, like marriage. And the second one, life. There's so much to be said about God's original plan for humanity. But if you really want to look and find out what God thinks and what God's original intent was for us, you can go back to the book of Genesis. A lot of people overlook certain books of the Bible without considering the origin of God's plan. There are some people that don't believe in reading the Old Testament because it has nothing to do with the New Testament. But that's not true. Jesus himself even sat with his disciples. And you'll find at the end of the Gospels, most of them at least reference Jesus, like Luke about him sitting down with his disciples, his 12, his 11 actually, after his resurrection, and he taught them out of the books, the Psalms, the poetry books, the Pentateuchs, the five first, the five books of the Bible that Moses had written, the law. He began to explain all of this. In the transition from the law to the dispensation of grace, God had not compromised, nor did he cancel his original plans for humanity. Uh, in that transition of time, the scripture says that actually Jesus came to fulfill the law. In other words, taking all of the judgment that was settled uh, and set for man and falling short of the, of the, of the word of God. Uh, Jesus became sin, a man who knew no sin and took the judgment of God. But in the process of taking the judgment off of us and taking it upon himself, you and I have then now become recipients of the mercy of God through the blood of Jesus. And then because of that blood that was shed, we have been sanctified, made pure, by the blood, but the nature of man still had to be dealt with. So Jesus later in the scripture begins to talk to his disciples and tells them, and you can find this in John 14 and 15, where he says, I must go away. If I don't go away to the Father, I cannot come again and send you the comforter and send you what, what Luke called the promise of the Father, what what Luke wrote again in the book of Acts, chapter 1, again, the promise of the Father, the promise that even Joel, the prophet, talked of and spoke of, referring to this is that, referring to the Spirit of God inhabiting men, giving them power, the power to do what's right, the power to understand correctly the insight, the actual Spirit of God to decipher what's right and what's wrong. And so we look at this right now and we see that God intended for Adam to come together with his wife and procreate and have children and multiply on the earth void of sin. That was the original plan. But we know the rest of the story. So now the second Adam comes in and he reverts back to God's original intent and says, I'm going to restore humanity back to God through the blood sacrifice and by the Spirit of God enabling him to know the difference between right and wrong and do what's right. Can I tell you that everything that you see now in society was not God's idea? Not everything was God's idea. 
that God has still given us the liberty to make decisions and have our, our will to do what's right and we have a choice to do what's wrong. It's our choice. Once again, I've said this before, but no one forced you to be at church today, right? Now, husbands, if your wife made you come today, don't raise your hand. I understand. Even women, kids, don't raise your hand if you don't want to get in trouble. But we are all here of our own accord. We're all here because we want to be here. Everyone has a choice in life. In our society right now, people are making decisions not based on what's right more than what the pressure of the culture is saying. More than ever, there's a pressure of being socially acceptable. Mom and dads aren't experiencing it to the full degree that their children are. These children today that are in junior high, elementary, high school um, youth, they're experiencing something that I never even experienced during my high school days or elementary days or junior high days. They're just, they're experiencing a different form of, of belief systems and what's acceptable because if you don't agree with people, you're labeled as judgmental and wrong and evil. This is the challenge that we have. And the only place that our children can find refuge is in the home and in the house of God. Where these two places, they ought to be not just accepted but taught and trained correctly. And understand one thing, like the writer said, when all things are changing, God never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love for them, number one, they need to know that God's love for them is never going to change. God loves them. But that loving God has to be experienced through the tangible presence of his spirit to teach our children, to teach our families, to teach our spouses, to teach ourselves, to allow ourselves to be open to the presence of God and his word so we can allow his spirit to transform us into his image, his original purpose. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God doesn't make mistakes. And God didn't make a mistake with us, and God didn't make a mistake with you. Tell somebody, God doesn't make mistakes. People make mistakes, right? People invent things, and they have good intentions, but they don't work out the way they thought they would work out, like the slinky. How many of you had one of these growing up? know what this was originally invented for it was for calibrating nautical devices at sea to find the balance within the ship with nautical devices that would give direction that's what this was for originally but when there was off balance it accidentally fell off of the table down into the stairway and the creator of it said hmm my kid would like that. <laughs> and they started to label it differently. It became the slinky. And it was a toy. But that's not what it was created for. Say it after me. Things change. Things change. How many of you drink this at least once a week? If you do it every day, God forgive you. But <laughs> I can't do it. But, you know, everyone sells it. But this wasn't meant to be a refreshing drink. It was first medicine. This was actually formulated and created to combat the addiction people had to morphine. 
So someone in the pharmaceutical world designed this. It was a gentleman who was addicted to morphine. He was having anxiety and headaches from the withdrawals. So he found a secret in sugar and the coca leaf, which should tell you a lot about it. No wonder people like it. And he noticed that when he concocted this, it gave him energy. Wow. Imagine that. It gave him energy, took away his headache, and dealt with his anxiety. But another guy comes around and says, man, everyone loves that. We need to make that into a drink. And he bought the recipe from the individual and created Coke. You need to do the research on that. It's a pretty cool study. But now it's a refreshing drink. Say it with me. Things change. How many of you used this this morning? You know what this originally was? Floor cleaner. Yeah. I can't judge you because it's that little bit missing. I, I used it this morning myself. <laughs> Floor cleaner. And an antiseptic for surgical devices to clean them before they went into surgery. But floor cleaner was the original creativity behind the mind of the inventor. But it didn't work. Now, I don't know who in the world thought to themselves, it's not cleaning floors, huh, let's drink it. <laughs> right? Or they just said, hey, people are dumb enough to, re you know, they'll buy into anything. Let's see what Mikey will do. Mikey likes it, right? Remember that commercial? Mikey will eat anything. None of y'all, nobody, Mikey likes it, anybody? Okay. Floor cleaner. Stay with me, things change. How many of you have this? Play-Doh. The inventor of Play-Doh, uh, it was really used during the days when they had wood stoves and there was the smoke and the soot that was on the wallpaper and someone said, we can find a better way to clean that off the wall and be reusable. So we, we'll, we'll make this putty stuff and, and put it together and, and people can use it on the wall and then they can wash it later with soap and water. And that didn't work. But they said, boy, my kids love playing with it. What is marketed as play dough. Wallpaper cleaner. Things change. Here's the point. The point is, is that God created us in a certain way with a certain plan. But over time, men and cultures have changed and relabeled everything. Not to the original use that God intended it for. God did not make a mistake when he made you. God did not make a mistake when he established his plan for society and the lives of the of people on earth and God's way it was going to happen. God did not make a mistake. God did not change his original plans. The law was there to help men to live right. The law couldn't do it, though, because the law was meant to guard the heart and to keep men in alignment with God. But God said, you know what? My original plan was for men to live void of sin. And he was there. Adam was there. Adam had it right. Adam had it good. But Adam sinned. Therefore, God had to establish the law through Moses and say, if these people don't live right and they don't understand that, it's not about them more than it is about my deity and my holiness and my creating them for myself. God created us to be in union with him. And, but sin had to be dealt with, so he created laws and things for us to abide by. And he provided the life and, of animals for us to receive mercy by, to stay in the good graces of God. But his presence could not be within ourselves, within humanity, so he put himself in a box called an ark. 
then no pun intended, but he thought outside the box and thought, well, I want to put not myself in a box. I'm going to live in their heart. And I don't want to write the laws on stone. I'm going to write the laws in their heart. Therefore, God created and gave his only begotten son and created a new covenant. And in the transition of all of that, God didn't just say, now you can do whatever you want. You can live however you want to. I'm not trying to be religious, but just stating the truth that it's not, okay, let's just have a party. Let's get out there and do it. We're going to heaven. Jesus died. Woo! We're going to party tonight. He died to empower you. To get back to his original plan. The first thing we're talking about today is God created marriage. Established it and sanctified it. Number one, the sanctity of marriage was God's idea. But we've taken it and relabeled it. By stating... Are you ready? You're quiet, so I think you're ready. God created, repeat after me, Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. Adam and Eve. I want you to think about this. Everything God created had the ability to reproduce. Think about this. Everything in the origin of God's plan was made with the ability to reproduce after its own kind. There isn't one, uh, there isn't one animal you can buy, uh, purchase, or, or, or see, or can't buy a tiger. I guess some people can but there isn't one animal out there that really can't reproduce. What it needs is a female. Am I right? It needs a female. In the process of reproduction, I mean, I've never seen a gorilla and a giraffe have a gorilla raft. <laughs> I don't know, what would you call that? Right? A, 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 a lion and a bear, a lair. Right? I can think of a lot more, but I'm going to stop. They produce after their own kind. So God told Adam and Eve, there was a commandment. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Have children. Because that's the order of God. So the creation of God has to be in union together with the original plan of God to reproduce. But somewhere along the way, we created a label and we can't reproduce this. They can't reproduce. Why can't they? Because that wasn't in God's original plan. Everything that falls into the order of God is able to produce. Common sense tells me that that was originally God's plan. I mean, it wasn't, you know. I, I, we have children here today, and I don't want to get too far into detail, and I'm, that's why I'm kind of hesitant right now. But it wasn't circle hit the square, right? I mean, God knew. God knew what would happen. And, and so when you look at the sanctity of marriage, it, when people ask you a question, about homosexuality. It's a trick question in some cases to prove that you're judgmental. I'm not against anyone. I'm going to read you a scripture where God levels out the playing field. And this Sunday morning, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the religious people with my right and hit the liberals with the left, okay? And I'm going to tell you where both sides are wrong and where the air is. And there's a, there's a place right down the middle in God's will 
that if everyone follows that and begins to look at it from his perspective, thank you, Lord, from his perspective, you're going to recognize how off we are. And throughout the ages, things have changed, which doesn't mean that God has. Psalms 102, again, he says, throughout the ages, even in our captivity, the one thing I turn to is the fact that you're never changing, God. You're always the same. And because of that, it brings security to my children and to my children's children. And so I'm not talking to the nation. I'm talking to Riverside Church families and telling you at some point you're going to have to figure out what you believe, why you believe it, and you have to teach it to your children because it brings security. And can I just tell you, not everyone's going to like them anyways, but they will be respected for what they believe because they can be loving while doing it. But taking a stand does not mean that you have to speak in opposition and always argue and teach them how to debate. You do not have to be a theologian to get it right. But you have to understand God to be right. To be right. The church isn't here to condemn. We're not here to tell you what we're against. We are here to tell you what we're for, and we are here to stand for the sanctity of marriage. That's what's at stake. The original plan, how God intended it to be so and everything else as far as homosexuality, it falls into a different category. I can't and you can't change what's already been done in certain people's lives, and we're not here to judge We're here to implement and to teach our families, our children, ourselves, where we stand and love everybody and understand this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 3, 11. Listen to this. Don't you realize that those who don't do wrong will not, who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, this is the apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians but let me intersect something right here. The argument from people who are progressive in their thinking, they say this. They say, well, the apostle Paul wrote it, so it's not valid if it didn't come from Jesus. Get your pens and paper out. I'm going to give you something to go study, and then you're going to have a good answer for this. John chapter 17. Write that down. Jesus prays a prayer for his disciples to the Father. And he says, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. I'm going to paraphrase it to you. You go home and read it. It's right here where Jesus institutes the authority of the word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through mortal men. When he prayed a prayer and said to the Father, as you have put your words in me and they have believed in me, so let those that follow them believe in their words also as they have in mine. Because the scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for the instruction in righteousness. That we would be a person given to the study of the word, rightly dividing it, not being ashamed. The word of God is true. So don't allow yourself to jump on the bandwagon of those that have been hurt by religion because that's not you. You are simply in love with his word and following after him to please him, not to please people, but to please God because if you don't get it through your head, uh, you're not going to be able to please everybody. I don't care. It, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be what you're wearing. I mean, you know, you show up to the family portrait photo. I mean, does anybody take family portraits anymore? I don't know. You're wearing the wrong color. Oh, my God. I told them. I called them. I told them three times. And look, no, they, they do what they want. We're not going to do it with them no more. Right? I mean, you can't please everybody. It doesn't matter how small it might be. But the Apostle Paul comes out and starts straightening out some things, and he starts saying, hey, don't you know and don't you realize, you know, that people who do wrong, that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So don't fool yourself. 
Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or in worship idols or who worship idols or who commit adultery, are, they are male prostitutes or practice what? Homosexuality. Or, or, or thieves. Or greedy people. I mean, he's talking about, I love the way he just, da, 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 da. He's aiming at everybody. You're all going to get it. You ever have a mom and dad do that, ever do that to you? Everybody, get in the room. We're all getting it today. One person does something wrong, everybody gets in trouble because they can't figure out who did what, right? Was that you? Did you grow up with brothers or sisters? Who did it? All right, everybody get in the room. Oh, man. The Apostle Paul looks at the Corinthian church and says, you're all sinners. And you want to judge one person? So while the church is judging homosexuality, they're greedy. How are they greedy? They're not paying their tithes. Oh, did I? I can't talk about that. Son, stop telling me what to preach. Hateful. Having, well, how can I say this? There's kids here. Making cookies outside the kitchen. You know what that means, right? I mean, we throw the religious flags at everyone else for some things that are noticeable while we get caught up in our own devices thinking we're right. The Apostle Paul says, don't be a fool. God has leveled the playing field out and everyone's guilty, but this is what he says. He said there's people that are drunkards, abusive. They cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. He said, don't, don't be fooled. But some of you were once like that. Some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. It's by the spirit of, the, of our God. Listen, you were made cleansed. You were cleansed. But how? By the blood. You knew that there was a chance to make things right. So you had to yourself say, I'm sorry, but you can't make anyone else say that they are sorry to God. They need an experience. That's why we pray for people. So the question I'm going to ask us us is, the people that are living in a certain lifestyle, doing certain things, how many hours of prayer have you put into their lives for them if you love them? Or have you not prayed because you have no conviction? Being in God's presence will bring conviction and what's right and allow us to yield to the presence of God. And he makes us holy by keeping us from sin. So he deals with all of this and he begins to tell everybody the only way you're going to live right is by having the spirit of God. And the only way you're going to be holy is by the blood of Jesus. He said, don't be a fool, you're all the same. When we look back at the original plan that God had for humanity, there's no mistaking. There's no mistaking how, why God created us. And just because things change over time doesn't change God's mind, his plan, or his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will last forever. Ever. So when someone approaches me, and I'm telling you what to do in this season right now, it's tough. But you have to be tough in the sense of understanding who you are, what you believe, and not make excuses and never apologize. Because if you bow in one area, People recognize weakness. 
and you won't be respected, but they will respect you for at least having a stance. But in having a stance, you don't, you're not called to be judgmental. I'm not called to be judgmental. I'm not here to say whether or not they're going to go to heaven or hell. That's not my, that's not my calling. My calling, because I can go to the scripture and teach you. We can talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. We can talk about Romans chapter 1. The consequences of that type of a lifestyle and the lust of it. I can tell you stories right now. In a church far, far away at another time. (laughs) There were two gay men that were sitting in the church. And a man of God called one out and said, I'm not going to say it, but do you want deliverance today? And he said, yes. And God touched him. He fell out and was instantly delivered. And God set him free. A week after that, he asked to meet with a certain preacher and told that certain preacher, thank you for praying for me. It was a spirit of lust. My life is now right, and I just got engaged to a woman. But the preacher never said anything to the couple living that lifestyle for a while until the Holy Ghost moved, and it was time. If you don't love them, or anybody who's in any one of these types of sins, from greed to hatred to lust, they're going to find someone else to love them and indoctrinate them with something else. We're not here to throw the flags and judge everybody. We're here to tell people there's a better way. And so Adam and Eve were called to procreate, which leads to our second point, point number two. The sanctity of life was God's plan. The sanctity of life was God's plan. I am really cutting it short here this Sunday morning because I can keep on talking to you about these subjects. They're very exhaustive, but I have to for the sake of condensing something, you know, and you taking it home and applying it, and you doing the study, you know, but, but for the sake of just conveying the message, I have to cut it short. So, so let me begin by saying this to you, that when God created man and woman, he created them to create, procreate. And when that conceptions take, this conception takes place, it's no more of it's no more of an error than it was at marriage. In other words, it's, it's, not, it's not a mistake. There's no child. There's no such thing as a child being a mistake. There's no such thing as an error. Everyone, every one of us, when we were formed in the belly of our mother's womb, before that time, God knew us and God had a plan. Jeremiah, the same writer, you know, when he talks about the future and the hope that God has for us, he was a product of God's creation. And listen to what God says about Jeremiah. Listen to this, Jeremiah 1, 4 and 7. The Lord gave me this message, Jeremiah said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I thought that was the daddy that formed him and the mama that formed him. No, 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 no. There is a supernatural act of the the wisdom of God that begins to work at the embryonic stages of every child's life where he establishes every part of us and gives us a plan and puts a spirit inside of us and helps us become a living soul. See, Adam and Eve weren't born the same. Adam was formed out of the ground. And I'm not going to argue with you whether or not Adam Adam had a belly button or not. But the scripture says after God formed him from the ground, he breathed in him and he became a living soul. That process actually takes place at conception. Right here. Before. 
before I formed you. It looked like your mom and daddy did a good job, but I formed you. I made you the way you are for a reason. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign God, I said, Jeremiah said, I, I, can't, I, I can't speak for you. I'm too young, the Lord replied. Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Remember, I made you. I made you. There's no mistake. The problem we have today is that people play around with God's creation and label them as unsuccessful or a loser or a failure, a mistake. What's amazing to me, one of our worship leaders uh, came up to me recently and said, Pastor Bobby, do you know that my mom and dad were, were a, a product of rape? And their parents had them, and here I am today worshiping God. What a story. See, I'm not going to create hypotheticals right now about abortion. But the sanctity of life is very important to God. We're not talking about people that have been raped and things and circumstances medically. Because you can create any scenario. And there are some that do exist possibly, but they're not every, not every person can use that for an excuse to shield themselves. Because it's not the right time. I don't have a house. I don't have a job. I don't have this. I don't have that. There are adoption agencies. But to take the life of a child is to take the life of a child. Life. Because I have to tell you, I have sat on this side of the desk and have seen it personally where this took place because the child was an inconvenience or a product of a relationship they didn't want. That is not the child's fault. Now, God has given his grace and mercy for anyone who's ever experienced this in their life. And you did things in your ignorance, and you just were fearful and scared. You know, that's between you and God, and I believe God is a merciful God. But we are teaching this today to inform you, families of Riverside Church, that we need to take the sanctity of life to heart and stand for the life of unborn children. Because God doesn't make mistakes. What's funny is, is that people think they have it figured out and they'll put their labels on God's creation like they think they know it. But let me give you something that the preachers wrote. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 5 says this. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activities of God who does all things. Now, there is a scripture that says the Holy Ghost reveals things to us. That's true. And there is another scripture that says God reveals his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. But I would be a fool to stand up here and tell you I know all things. I don't. In fact, how many of you feel this way? I actually feel the older I get, I realize the less I know. The older I get, the more I realize how much more I need God. But even the Lord says it through the scriptures, through the writer, through the preacher. The ecclesiastical writings of this book, the wisdom that's in here says, you and I don't know the ways of God. We think we do, but we don't. We try to in approach circumstances intellectually and put labels on things. But that's not, God. that's not God's original plan. As high as the heaven is from the earth, so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. 
In other words, we're going to have to be prayerful about the decisions we make and the stances that we take. We're going to have to be prayerful about having a boldness to not feel inferior to people who are going to judge you for believing God's word. It's a double standard. But you can let them trash you, but never let them outclass you. Ever. The love of God is real. The spirit of God is real. The spirit of God gives you a boldness. And let me tell you what God has done for this series right now. For any preacher, it's a very hard thing for a lot of preachers to talk about. But when God began to give this to me when I was in prayer, I felt that spirit of antichrist, the spirit of intimidation come against me. But as I stayed in prayer, the Holy Ghost, it seems that just kind of took it out and took the fear of men out of me and gave me not a lack of respect, but a lack of fear and made the boldness start to come out of me to talk about it. Because it's time. And the same spirit of intimidation and antichrist is in the world right now wanting to make people feel like they're wrong for believing the word of God and believing God's original plan for humanity. And if you don't read your Bible and if you don't pray, you you will succumb to every thought, every idea, every view, every person that thinks they know what's right. You don't know what's right. They don't know what's right. Only God knows what's right. And if it doesn't say it in the Bible, and I don't feel the Spirit of God telling me, I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to believe it. Call me what you want to, but I can't stand for everything. I don't want you to stand for one thing. God never fails, and he never changes. See, that's what we look for. See, even, in our cons- even as a consumer, there are certain people that only buy certain products because the integrity of that product has lasted throughout the years. If you're using and buying a certain product just for the moment, most people go to other places. And I'm not trying to give them a shout out. They're not a sponsor here. But I do love going to Harbor Freight. I love Harbor Freight, man. I need one tool for one time. I'm never going to use it again. I'll go to Harbor Freight. I don't care. Love it. But if I'm going to use a tool day after week or day after day, week after week, I'm going to use it quite often, I upgrade on quality. Right? Because I like things that last and are dependable. I like companies I like to invest in companies that are solid, have a good history. Not encouraging to play the stock market, but I am telling you, when you see something healthy, you invest in things that grow and are still around. There are certain companies that are still around because of the high quality of their conviction and it shows in their products. What are you saying, Pastor Bobby? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You are God's creation. You're not a figment of somebody else's imagination, and you're not a cheap tool that just made for one day. God said, I'm going to make me a people so I can have them live with me for eternity, forever. And we don't need to play around with forever. We need to know who we are. God didn't make us just for a moment to have a toy. God made us to have a bride. And the culture cannot decide my value and what God thinks about me and what God's plans are for me in my life. Come on, Haley. You understand? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Here's what I'm going to tell you. And I close with this. Methods change, but the message doesn't change. Methods change, but the message doesn't. 
I told the early service this morning, we had a great crowd, and we were talking and laughing uh, a little bit. And, and I said, boy, I tell you what, I remember the day when, I, when God first called me into ministry. I, I went and found the best tie, the best button-up shirt, the best jacket, and, and then I, I was broke for a month. When we started this church, I said, God, how, what are we going to do? I said, tell me everything. I, I wanted to know his thoughts about how and what to do and what his thoughts were. And I tried finding the scripture if it had anything to do with, 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 with you know, me coming to church dressed a certain way. Because I, my mama taught me. My mama said, you were your best to church on Sundays. My mama was the type of lady where... You know, she, before she wore a church out, uh, a dress out, she would first wear it to church. That was her way of tithing her dress, right? She, she wear it, and she let you know it was brand new too, right? Just. You know, I mean, my mama was something else, tithing on her dress. But you know, there. But, but then I was in prayer, and God, and I tried looking at the scripture, and all I could find was, is that people who were talked about modesty and, and it talked about having your praise on having the fruits of the spirit and so what we teach at Riverside Church is is that come with the great attitude come wearing your best smile come wearing your praise and your worship the rest will fall into place so I'm not standing up here to be cool Although these are some cool shoes. I'm standing up here because I want to keep the main thing the main thing. We are here to worship Jesus no matter what you look like. The anointing, I still have the anointing in my life with the tire, with the sweatshirt. I still have the anointing in my life. I'm, it doesn't stop me from praying. It, it actually keeps me praying more, actually, because I sweat. I'm sweating big time in this thing. But, but, but what I'm telling you is, is that, that God looks at the heart. You know, you can have an idea. You can have your opinion, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is what God's word says about it. And you got to believe that that word is true. That word is not a fallacy. It's not just a fairy tale, not just history. It is the inspired word of God made manifest to humanity with the directions and the plans that God had from the beginning of time. And if it was good enough for Jesus to quote, it's good enough for me to quote. He quoted the Old Testament and taught the disciples and he told and clarified it in John 17 that whoever comes after me in my circle, I'm going to give them the authority and people are going to believe on the word like they did mine because I'm going to speak through them. So from Genesis to Revelation, the word of God is inspired and it's true and he changes not. God doesn't change. That's the security for you and your family today. God does not change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you trusted him back then, you can trust him now. He loves you more than ever. Believe him, please him, and your family's going to get saved and be saved. Let's stand to our feet here this Sunday morning. Will you just surrender in this moment and tell him, Father, I just pray for a revelation and a deeper understanding pray today that I will be a man and woman of conviction, that you, God, would show me your original plan for us, and that the culture can't, can't label me and change me. If you're here today and you've not given your life to the Lord, let's just pray that together right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, forgive us of our sins. Father, forgive us for our unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, we've done it our way. We want to do it your way. God, I am sorry for everything wrong that I've done. I'm asking you to forgive me, and I thank you for forgiving me today. God, come and live in my heart. God, come and lead me, God, down the path of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Now lift up your hands and tell them, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. My family surrender. We stand together. Come on. Husbands and wives, hold hands together. Mamas, hold hands with your children. Brothers and sisters, if it's appropriate, 
agreeing with one another today that we're going to stand and serve God and, and we don't have to be judgmental. But God, we've got to be in the will of God. But we do have to stand for what's right. And we've got to love everybody. But we don't have to be weak in loving people. But Father, today we pray that a pure heart will be put inside of us. That God, you wrote it in the gall. You put it on tablets. Write it on our hearts. Write it in our spirit. Write it in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.